you ever thought about how valuable it would be to get career advice from a top executive? Have you ever wondered what management really thinks about diversity? Join us as our C-suite guest shares with our Latino community their unique insights on professional development and diverse leadership. Welcome to C-Suite, the show that combines surprising leadership insights with a focus on diversity. I'm Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor and Executive Vice President of Marketing for Alpha New Jersey. Today, we have a distinguished guest, Rashida Hodge, VP Azure Data and AI Customer Success for Microsoft. Rashida is a technologist and executive leader at the forefront of AI and emerging technologies. Dubbed the superhero of IBM Watson AI, Rashida led the commercialization and global launch of IBM Watson and rose to be the highest ranking African-American woman executive. Originally from St. Thomas, U.S. Virgin Islands, her Caribbean upbringing gave her respect for strong communities, mentorship, and the power of diversity. Rashida earned a BS and MS in industrial engineering at North Carolina State University and an MBA from Duke University Fuqua School of Business. She was named to Fortune Magazine's Most Powerful Next-Gen Women in 2018 and 2019 and named to Fortune 40 Under 40 in technology in 2020. Rashida sits on the boards of Misty Robotics, Girls Inc., Duke University Fuqua School of Business Minority Advisory Board, and North Carolina University College of Engineering Foundation. Welcome, Rashida. In this exact moment, how are you feeling and why are you feeling it? In this exact moment, um, I'm, I feel humble and grateful to be talking to you. Um, you know, it's always an, an honor to have these conversations because I think in these conversations, you know, we provide an opportunity to uplift others, to provide guidance, perspective, and awareness, you know, to others. So I'm, I'm humble and I'm grateful that you selected me to be a part of this session. So thank you. You're welcome. And we're very excited to have you so you can share your unique perspective and, and journey, which will hopefully inspire others. So let's go back in time a little bit. Um, what is one fond memory you have of childhood? It could be a song, it could be a sight, it could even be a smell or a sound. Wow, that is a very interesting question. My, my childhood was so lively. Um, you know, I think for me, nothing in particular, particular comes to mind. I grew up, as you mentioned, I grew up in the US Virgin Islands a 32 square mile rock. We actually call St. Thomas the rock because it's literally like a rock. Wow. <laughs> and I think growing up on growing up in the Virgin Islands, uh, one of the things I've always appreciated is this communal atmosphere that I wasn't just supported and raised by my parents and my family, but I was raised by a village. And so living on an island, you know that the world is bigger than it actually is. And so my village gave me a sense of curiosity and exploration, which really pushed me to look beyond the rock that I was on and to really take an opportunity to push myself 
and explore really what I could become or what was out there. So when I think about it, I sort of, I think about that. I think about the village that nurtured me because my parents were teenagers. My mom was a teenager when she had me. So she relied on this communal village of Virgin Islanders to help educate me, provide me with awareness and to give me this sense of curiosity and exploration that has really grounded me in everything that I do. Wow. So I'm picturing a lot of um, activity, uh, a lot of uh, engagement with with all the different communities and and family members and and neighbors. Um, And I just picture you just all over the island, just, you know, exploring and, and a little bit jealous because it's cold right now in New Jersey. <laughs> it's so um, interesting you say that because that's exactly right. Like I was one of those kids where I did everything. I was in our yeah. local steel pan. I did poetry at school. <laughs> I mean, to your point, as, as you were saying it, I was like, oh my God, like he totally nailed what I said. Um, but, and, and, um, but it was such a key fabric to who I am. So thank you for articulating that in a very, um, eloquent way. Oh, thank you so much. So when did you know, right? Like, you know, we're, we're, we're a child, we're carefree, we're, we're just, you know, doing things, enjoying things. When did you know that you were meant to be more, that you wanted to do something additional? So as I mentioned just before, my mom was a teen mom and she was young. There was a lot that she didn't know. And while there are joys of growing up in a small community, there's also uh, shame and whispers, you know, for someone like my mom, uh, you know, who had me at a young age. And so for me growing up, I saw my mom struggle, but I also saw her have grit And I also saw her had perseverance. And I can't remember the name of the book, but I remember one day I read a book and my mom actually, I used to, my mom was working and going to university at the same time. And she would actually take me and my younger sister to class with her. We would sit in the back of the class and do our homework or read. And one day I was reading a book and in this book, it talked about an engineer solving a problem. And after my mom finished class, I said, I wanna be an engineer. And she said, what's an engineer? I said, I don't know, but they solve problems and that's what I wanna do. And my mom and I, I'm dating myself. We went to the library. There was no, let's Google it. Hard catalog. And we looked up engineering. We saw that there was a, you know, a, ver- a lot of different options that you know I could pursue in engineering. But it was at that moment when I realized that the world was so much bigger that you know I, I can solve problems. I can solve big problems. I can solve little problems. And it was at that moment when I realized that I I could, there was a bigger, there was really a bigger world out there and there is more that I can do. And I, growing up on an island and that's focused on tourism, I didn't grow up with engineers. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was that thing where I said, wow, like this is amazing. This profession that solves problems and I can be the chief problem solver. 
And I was fascinated with the fact that I didn't even know anyone at the time that was an engineer. I, I ended up meeting one engineer before I graduated from high school. But I think just the pursuit of that, seeing that in the book, seeing my mom, uh, you know, pursue that with me with courage and boldness uh, to do something that was different, to do something that was unique, to do something that wasn't popular is when, you know, I realized that there's really a bigger world out there. I want to be part of that bigger world. And most importantly, it was a really good opportunity, quite frankly, for, you know, me to to thank my mother for the sacrifices that she made for me. Because I tell people a lot of times that sometimes I feel like people counted me out at birth mm -hmm. just because of the circumstances mm -hmm. of how I came into being. Um, but because again of that level of curiosity, that form of exploration and my mom fueling that for me it continues to just give me that grit, that perseverance that my mom had to really strive for something more. And so that's the moment that I think about. Wow. What I find so interesting about what you just shared, and, 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 I, and I love it, Rashida, is that that thing was always inside you it was kind of unlocked at that moment when you, when, you, when you read that passage, when you read that book. But I feel like it was always inside you, right? Like it was always there and, and just that, that opportunity for it to just flourish and grow. And of course, with the support from your family and your mother, you were able to nurture that and, and create the career um, you, you had today. But I, I do honestly feel that that was always already inside you. It just needed its sort of voice to get out, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you saying that reminds me of something that my mom told me growing up all the time, which is build from your circumstance and finesse it into greatness. Mm. So that's something that I live by every day because our circumstances are all different. And regardless of what it is, we can turn it into our own greatness. And my mom would always tell me that she's like, don't judge or don't compare yourself to another person but look at what don't hum and haw she would say about what you have or what you don't have take what you have and make it your greatness i think that's such wise advice from your mom because i've heard similar um advice from uh, my father-in-law and i've just witnessed this uh in life with friends and colleagues the people who seem to do better in life are the ones who do exactly what your mom said they kind of accept what is and don't spend a lot of time wishing for what should have been or what could be, right? They're like, okay, here's what I got. And then they make the next best thing they can out of it. And those people seemingly always seem to, to, to do better than the ones who are all like, woulda, coulda, shoulda, I could have been the champ. You know, like that doesn't seem to inspire much success in people. I agree with that. Like, ditto. Yeah, absolutely. Well. You were sharing a little bit um, about uh, some hardships for, for your family and, and your mother, and thank you for sharing um, that personal detail. Um, would really love to know a little bit more, and I'm sure our audience would be curious about perhaps some moments of struggle that you had uh, in, in your life, either through your education or work or anything where you really 
um, had to call on something to, to overcome and bounce back to continue on your path to where you are or where you will continue to be. Um, so what could you share in terms of what helped you get through sort of difficult times and, and bounce back? You know, that's an interesting question. I think a lot of times when we look at leaders, we look at the destination and the accolades and the accomplishments, but forget the journey. Mm-hmm. And I was actually telling a mentee of mine this recently because, you know, they were saying, oh, that's amazing, Rashida, that you did X and you did Y and you did Z. And I said, well, I've, I stumped my toe a lot. I opened up the wrong door many times. I nearly bled out. <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> so I think it's so, I would be disingenuous, even with all my accomplishments now, it'd be totally disingenuous, especially as a Black woman executive, to, you know, not acknowledge the struggle mm-hmm. that I have had. And I tell individuals that I call it the trifecta. I am a Black, I'm a woman. And then I suffer from this thing that my mom gave me is I look young. <laughs> That's a thing. That yeah, is- yeah, yeah. And so many times, especially when I first became an executive, I would walk into client meetings and clients would dismiss me. Yeah. I remember a situation where I, me and my team was getting ready to present an architecture to the client. Client got there early and they had never met me before. And they said to the lead architect on my team, well, let me know when your VP arrives. Oh, jeez. And everyone was still in that moment. I was getting coffee and I just turned around. I said, well, I'm here. We can get started. (laughs) And... Look, I wasn't offended by it. Um, I used it as a moment of, you know, truth telling and learning for everyone that was in the room mm-hmm. as well. But I think it was also a good lesson and learning moment for the client in terms of giving them a perspective to show them that someone of technical porous um, can be an executive that looks like me. Mm-hmm. and doesn't always need to look like them. And yeah. so, you know, even through those situations, one of the things I've learned is to always use those situations as learning moments. And so to your question relative to how I got through it, you know, one is I always say that you're going to go through something. So stand on the shoulders of giants, make sure that you've got your tribe to help you because you're going to need people to cheer you on. Even in that moment, even though I sounded confident when I replied, I was hurt by that. Sure. Right. I still left that meeting and called my tribe and said, do you know what happened to me today? Like, can you believe that happened to me today? And so your tribe, your cheerleader, your squad, I think is so important. I think second is I have never been afraid to travel the road less traveled by Mm. because that's how you grow. That's how you build thickness. That's how you build richness because experience brings judgment. 
if I didn't go through those moments, if I didn't have that experience, I wouldn't have the judgment in terms of how to respond, how to use them as teaching moments, how to advise the brilliant other Black women that are coming behind me. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important to ensure that don't be afraid to hit that bumpy road and to go through that dark place because that's how we build new muscles and that's how we extend itself, our, extend ourselves. And I think the last thing I was saying, I had to learn this over time, but we all have nuance. Mm-hmm. So own your nuance, own your vibe. A lot of times we're often taught to be cookie cutter. We're told told to sort of kind of walk the talk and wear your hair a certain way. But I learned over time by bumps and bruises that your vibe is your differentiator. So Mm -hmm. love it, be vulnerable with it. And it took me a while to get there. I probably didn't get there until about maybe eight or 10 years ago, mm-hmm. but I am so much more effective because I have owned the nuance and the vibe that I bring to the table. I think that's such a important and impactful message for uh, underrepre- underrepresented professionals, right? Because we're starting from a point where Uh, we may be hesitant to fully own who we are because we see the path to leadership and it doesn't contain many of us on it. Um, So to sort of point out that perspective that really um, nuances and and parts of that actually can power your career, um, you know, with professional judgment and doing all these other things, right? It's not like a magic thing where you just show up and you're like, I'm me and everyone loves you. That's not realistic. But to your point, not hiding it, right? Not making yourself so inoffensive or so ordinary that you're just not memorable at all, I think is is a mistake. Exactly. And I think we have to, I always say, we have to teach people how to treat us. Mm. And so when those learning moments and those learning opportunities come to service, that's why we have to take advantages because in that moment, like the example I gave with the client, I taught that client how to treat me moving forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So we have to, we have, we have to take these learning moments and we have to teach people how to treat us. And we have to teach them that someone that looks like me is good enough that someone that wears their natural hair is just as effective as the person with straight hair. Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. And, and one area you just maybe think of is um, people who may have names that are difficult to pronounce, right? Teaching yeah. people how to treat you and to pronounce your name properly. And no, it's not okay for you to give me a nickname that I don't go by. So it's easier for you to pronounce. You can learn how to pronounce my name because it's my name. (laughs) And if I have to give you a little trick or tip to help you, then I'm being gracious, but it's my name. And so what we often do though, is we teach people that it's okay by not saying anything, by laughing it off, by not um, making it a learning moment to to, to use your language, right? You know, hopefully in a gracious way and, and, and in a way that can help people save face, but to not give that away 
in in a way I think is 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 important for people. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm also curious uh, to talk uh, to you a little bit about some of the mentors and sponsors and sort of teachers you've had along the way. Um, I think we can all know intuitively that you can't make it anywhere really by yourself. <laughs> There's going to be people who are coaching you, helping you, setting you straight sometimes, um, and other times just, you know, giving you a shoulder, uh, you know, to cry on. Um, curious to ask, and I'm sure our audience would be curious um, to hear, uh, what is uh, an insight that has really helped you uh, the most in your career? Something that perhaps as a younger professional wasn't obvious to you until someone said, hey, Rashida, have you thought about this? And it really kind of opened up your thinking. It's an interesting question. I think I'm a big believer in this notion that we all stand on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. And for me, just like how we started this conversation, that started with my mom. She was my first giant. Wow. Because as a teen mom, she gave up everything so I can have. But then that extended over time to other people, like my physics teacher who helped curate my knowledge and help me explore the path of being an engineer. Or even uh, my classmate, a guy by the name of Damon Butler, who went to NC State with me, he was the one who convinced me to apply for a role at IBM where prior to Microsoft, I spent 19 years. Wow. And so this notion of, that we all stand on the shoulders of giants, if I look at critical moments and turns in my careers, it was a mentor, an ally, a sponsor who opened a door for me, who gave me a chance, who betted on me, who saw potential in me before I even saw it in myself. And I remember when I had the opportunity to do an executive development assignment at IBM working for a fantastic leader who's retired as a senior vice president and officer of IBM, Mike Roden. And I was his um, chief of staff and COO. And I started working for him and he gave me in that role, my annual performance came up and he gave me a raise and it was pretty substantial. <laughs> I was like, whoa, Mike, off the charts. And I remember humming and hawing and, you know, saying, Mike, thank you so much. Like, I'm very appreciative. And we were actually heading to a client meeting in New York City and in the car, he turned to me, he said, I don't ever want you to do that. You deserved it. I gave you what you deserved. And most importantly, I gave you more than you deserve. I gave you your potential. Wow. And it's a moment that I would never forget. He saw potential in me. He acknowledged that potential. He acted on that potential before I even saw it. And so the belief that he had in me 
and how he expressed it and took action upon it has such significant meaning for me where I actually ensure that I do the same for others as a because I saw how impactful that was to me not just in that moment from a financial perspective but in that moment in helping me acknowledge or get rid of my self-doubt on what I can become and just how far I can go not incrementally but exponentially yeah what I find so fascinating about that Rashida is um, in a sense, uh, the people who are around us have a huge impact, right? Starting from your mom, seeing the potential in you, the physics teacher, you know, your college uh, student, you know, colleague, um, and then, you know, future bosses, like, you know, being around people who see potential in other people like yourself is a very different scenario than being around a lot of people who don't see much in us or don't see a path for us. And, and, and I think that can take its toll. You know, if, if, if you're around too many people all the time that are just like, why are you even trying that? That's, that's not for you. You're never going to make it versus people that are like, why not give it a try? What's the worst can happen? Or I think you're going to be amazing. Um, that is a, a big difference, I think, in, in your, your perspective. Absolutely. You know, and that's why I said, I really ground everything on, we all stand on the shoulders of giants and those giants are important to be part of your squad. Because like I said, in the, you know, when we first started the conversation, we are going to have hiccups. We are going to stump our toe and those giants, as much as they help us see our potential, help us along the way, they're, they're also there to help us in those moments of doubt in those moments of hiccup as well. And I think especially as a, a Black woman, we have so much pressure on ourselves to overachieve, never mess up. You just absolutely can as the worst thing that you can do. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have, I've come to realize no one is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I am going to make mistakes. But what I'm grateful for is that tribe, that village, those shoulders of giants that help me along the way as I recover, because the recovery is what's important. And our giants and our allies and our mentors help us to make sure that we recover at the right pace and in the right way. Wow. I just love your your metaphor, that imagery of, of standing on shoulders and, and, and the squad, I just, I just got to say. Um, Well, let's widen the circle a little bit and proceed to the shout out. Who is a a leader who is passionate about diversity that you feel people should know about or know more about? So I think I would highlight the co-founders of Black Women on Boards, Merlene and Robin. They founded Black Women on Boards during the pandemic to truly focus on helping improve the pipeline and representation of Black women on private and public boards. I remember being in the very first meeting when they kicked this off. It was probably about 
let's say a dozen, a dozen and a half women to now more than a year later, it's 150 plus women. We are going actually tomorrow, in fact, to ring the opening bell at the NASDAQ in commemoration of you know, celebrating wow. Black History Month, but most importantly, celebrating 50 years of the first Black woman being on a Fortune 500 board. And just the sponsorship that they have gotten from corporate affiliates and the venture capitalist community, folks like, you know, Sapphire Ventures that, you know, have really supported with a verb, right? Taking steps to be able to truly help outright improve representation in an area where the stats continue to be disappointing. And so I think this is an example of two women who are incredible Mm -hmm. that have used their access to take an opportunity to truly open the doors for other individuals because, you know, one of the things for them was when I got a call to be on a board, not because I'm tapped out, I want to say no. Right. I may say it's not fit for me yet, but here are some, here's a, here's 10 fabulous women that are smart, that are capable, that are intelligent. Yeah. And so I really want to shout out Robin and Marlene. Robin sits on the board of Alphabet, Salesforce, Honeywell. Uh, Marlene, she sits on the board of GitLab, uh, uh, Lightspeed Commerce, uh, you know, a variety of private boards and just well-known in the venture capitalist community. And these women, you know, took you know, opportunities that were presented to them and opened the door on the platform for so many other women. And I know I am personally grateful and I know everyone that's part of the program now and others that will join are continually grateful for their service and their advocacy. And I think that they, they really embark on the leadership element of when you are given the platform to help inspire and to give others a voice, use it and use it loudly. I love that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for highlighting that. And the fact that they stood that up in, in the middle of the pandemic, just amazing. Just, just really good stuff. All right. Well, Rashida, I love, love, love talking to you today, learning more about your backstory, your your journey, uh, the shoulders that you've stood on, and then the people that have supported you, your squad, uh, to use your nomenclature. Um, for those who want to learn uh, more about the organizations that, that you serve on and that are important to you, or just to connect, um, how can people most easily do that and, and find you? Yes, just I'm a big active LinkedIn user. So, you know, reach out to me on LinkedIn and we can certainly connect there. And, um, you know, I, I definitely post a lot of different articles 
Um, and um, I'm, I'm getting back active on Twitter. I took a little bit of a hiatus in during the during, <laughs> during the pandemic as I was reflecting and pausing. But you know, I tend to share a lot of information, um, you know, on Twitter as well. But LinkedIn is really my main source of you know communication. So we'd love for your audience to connect and engage with me through that platform. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Rashida, for being our guest on C-Suite, the show that combines surprising leadership insights with a focus on diversity. Thank you so much. Thank you again for inviting me. It's an honor and a privilege. And most importantly, I hope someone somewhere took away golden nuggets so that they can be inspired and empowered to do fabulous, fabulous things. Thank you for listening to C-Suite. Alpha's purpose is connecting Latino leaders for impact. To learn more, go to alpha.org. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review or share with a trusted friend or colleague. Remember, with the right perspective, amazing things can happen.